Wise Pitching. I'm Steve. And so far, I'm Byron. <laughs> We've had a little technical difficulties getting started here today. Not that you're going to know it listening to us, but uh, we know it, and it's already set us off on the wrong foot. And Steve did finally figure out the technical difficulties, and his fly is back up. It, uh, you know, I'm, swore, I'm wearing sweatpants. Ah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So, so I have I have to bitch. We have to start off bitching. I was turned down yet again for another dog or two this week, and either they'll they'll tell me no, this dog has too much energy for you, and I'm going. Well, wait a minute. You know, I I I, I I'm a couch potato. I want a dog that's energetic so that it's going to get me up off the couch. I don't want another couch potato creature here to just sit with me on the couch. Well, and you never know about a dog. You see, I have a Jack Russell Terrier. And when I got the Jack Russell Terrier, everybody said, oh, man, I don't know how you're going to deal with that dog. They're so hyper. They're so energetic. They leap around all the time. My dog, Mojo's favorite activity is to cuddle up beside me, put his head on my thigh, and sleep. Well, then that that could be perfect if for... It, it, you don't want you don't want the exercise necessarily. I want to get out and go for walks and hikes and stuff like that. I want a dog. This dog's only function uh, needs to be companionship for me and also be a chick magnet. And well, you know that works now. Uh, was it the uh, the adoption agency or was it the dog making the decisions? You know, I don't know. They made they made it sound like it was the dog's foster that said, it's not for you. And, oh, no, there was one dog that was not for me because it was too energetic. The other dog, they were the foster was concerned that he'd be locked in the crate all day while, while I was at my day job. And I, I said, no, I, I don't. I never said I was going to lock the dog in the crate. I, the dog will have free reign of my very large house for a little dog. And uh, yet that wasn't good enough for the foster. Well, you know, uh, if if I lived closer to you, I would know all sorts of doggy adoption agencies. And I do know all sorts of doggy adoption agencies, just not close to you. And there is actually a term for what's going on. And the term is foster failure. Foster failure. They think that they are fostering the dog, you see. They think that they are going to find a great owner. Meanwhile, they have decided that the best person for that dog to be with is them. That's called a foster failure. You know what? I think you might be right. I know there was one dog I was looking at, and they said, oh, no, the fosters decided to keep him. See, that's it. Foster failure. Yeah. You got it right there. Yeah. But they, these foster agencies are getting ridiculous. I think I could go out and adopt a kid easier than I could a dog. Well, you know you can. And way back in the early 90s, I had the opportunity to adopt a dog, and I did adopt the dog, but only after getting abusive to the adoption agency. You see, because um, I come from a, not only come from a whole history of dogs, my mother was a professional dog trainer. 
So I know dogs fairly well. And uh, in fact, back in the 80s, uh, on one of my radio shows, I did have a weekly segment about adopting dogs. And even though I had a dog at the time, the woman from the animal shelter who came in finally decided I needed another dog. And so she just brought the dog and said, okay, here's here's, uh, this dog and uh, she's yours. So, you know, I, I know that there is not really all of this rigmarole that the adoption agencies go through. The adoption agency, when I adopted my dog Peanut back in like 92, 93, somewhere there, uh, they not only had a home visit for me, then they uh, wanted me to bring my current dog to the uh Uh, adoption agency and walk her around among all of the other dogs to see which one was going to be uh, proper for for my dog. And I said, you know, my dog's actually not that good at making choices. I'll make the choice. If it's not the dog that I wanted to pick out, then I'll go to another adoption agency and you're going to be stuck with that dog. So uh, they uh, amazingly just cleared all this trademark. Well, maybe the letter from the uh, AKC uh, obedience uh, panel helped. But, (laughs) But, But, you know, it gets ridiculous. It it is. The whole thing. But first of all, the prices have skyrocketed. So, like, uh, you know, you can expect to pay five, six, seven hundred dollars for a rescue dog now Whoa. and they their costs are I, I talked to a friend's daughter who does a lot with rescues back east and she said uh no those costs are legitimate that be- between travel and vet bills and all the other stuff that some t- that even that five hundred dollars is usually under what it costs them to get that dog ready for adoption okay steve well i have to say th- this is between you and me don't tell anybody Okay, just just between you and me, my last three dogs, my last three dogs, and that is uh, Susie, who did pass away a couple of years ago. She was a, an American hound. Uh, Carol, my wackadoodle uh, mix, uh, we think uh, Golden Retriever and Dachshund, and uh, Mojo, uh, full-bred Jack Russell Terrier. Okay, all three dogs. Don't tell anybody. These were walk-ups. These dogs walked up to my house, and I tried to find their owners and couldn't find their owners, and so I adopted Are them. Are you sure you're not the neighborhood dog napper? I'm positive, and on top of that, <laughs> I mean, I, I went through other agencies to try and locate these dogs' owners, particularly Mojo, who's a you know, purebred Jack Russell. And couldn't find anybody. And let me tell you what my adoption costs were in total. I hate you. All three dogs. I hate you. Zero. <laughs> that is that is just wrong. I even know other people. I uh, a friend of uh, a mutual a friend of my son's who happens to also be my realtor. Um, he and his girlfriend tried to adopt a dog. They wanted to rescue, and they couldn't. And they ended up going to a breeder. And getting a puppy that was not much more than it would yeah, have which cost is a shame, really, because uh, you know rescued uh, animals really do uh, appreciate being rescued, and well, kind That's of why I want one for you know because there are a lot of little towns around where you are, uh, and uh, one kind of big town, but 
watch the local animal shelters because every now and then every animal shelter in America gets backed up, gets overloaded, and they have to reduce the adoption cost. It happens in Las Vegas about three times a year so that you uh, go from, what, seven, $800 a dog down to about 70 bucks a dog, just enough to cover the shots. Yeah, and, and I know I, I, was, I looked at shelters and the reason I wanted to go I had a bad experience with a local shelter uh, uh, several years back where I adopted a dog and I got this dog home and it bit everybody in my family. It tried to eat the one cat I had at the time. Um, it had stomach issues. It cost me a fortune between vet bills and special foods. And then when I went, I, I finally decided I couldn't do it anymore. And I went to take him back to the shelter and they wouldn't return the fee. It was like $350 adoption fee. And they said, no, sorry, you've had him too long. I said, I had him for a month because I was trying to make it work. I wasn't going to just turn, oh, no, you have to return him like in 24 hours or something. It's like, well, how do you know in 24 hours if a dog's going to work out or not? It takes days, if not weeks. See, the dog knew that. The dog knew that. And and he he was just trying to wait you I, out. I, I think he just wanted... I think it was a con artist dog who was working for this shelter who just said, hey, we're going to keep getting this fee over and over again because I'll come, when they come in, I'll just sit here looking really cute and they'll take me home and I'll be a holy terror and they'll have no choice but to return me being good humans, they'll really work at it hard and it'll be over the time limit and they won't be able to get their feedback. And then you can turn around and adopt me out again. That's what these, uh, you know, these uh, substandard loan uh, car agencies, you know, you can select any car you want and we'll finance you. And uh, then what happens is the car goes to hell and you stop paying and they come and they get the car. They do the minimal amount of repairs and they resell yes. it. So that's what that's what's yes. happening with the dogs. Yeah, I, th- I think yeah. it's proprietary dog adoptions. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, and uh, I think somebody should get in the way of this. Now, I, I want to talk about something else today as we record this. Donald Trump announced that he was going to use the military to guard the southern border of the United States. Uh, to, I think somebody should just build a wall around him. Right. But he said until the wall is built, he's going to use the military. And that's okay. You know, I mean, he can do that. But I want to know, is it really to keep Mexicans out or is it to keep us in? You know, I think at this point it's to keep us in. Uh, you know, this is like the first time in history that we are experiencing exactly what the American colonies experienced back in 1776. Instead of Mad King George, it's Mad King Donald. Yes. And it's crazy. This guy is getting what he thinks is news, but it's just all propaganda. It's all crap that people are making up that they're pulling out of their butts. And he's not sharp enough to realize that. So he does think that there are busloads, convoys of people coming through Mexico. Uh, yeah, they don't want to come here. They're smart. They don't want to come here. They, they got it nice, especially since Coco won the Oscar. You know, who wants to leave my Mexico? Mexicans are proud now. The uh, 
Yeah, uh, but I mean, you know, which brings us talking about Trump in the media, it brings us to Sinclair. Oh, man. And, you know, that is we have just completely skipped over the entire First Amendment. And true, this guy, uh, what the head of the uh, the FCC, I can't remember his name. Ajit Pai. Ajit Pai. Yes. Uh, okay, yes. Apple Pie there at the head of uh, the FCC. He he doesn't care about anything fair. Now, I remember back in the 80s when I was on radio and suddenly we eliminated the fairness doctrine. And that was where you had to give, uh, uh, you know, opposing views equal time. Right. And at the time... Thank you, Ronald Reagan. Yes. At the time, I thought, well, you know, maybe it's a good thing. I don't know. Maybe it's a good thing. But it has turned out to be an incredible, incredibly awful, awful right. thing. And uh, it allowed, um, uh, you know, extreme view uh, over-the-air broadcasts, mainly on radio, I remember when they kind of started up about 1989, and at first I thought, are these guys for real? Are they just doing comedy? And uh, most people aren't getting it. No, they were for real. And unfortunately, uh, with the decline in civic education, there is a, a certain percentage of Americans who don't get it, who don't want to realize that what they are being fed is fake news, and the real news is getting the reputation of having fake news because there's this really loud guy uh, yelling about it all the time, and uh, it, it is. Scary. And they're they're it just really entertaining is. enough to hold people's attention while they spew their garbage. Um, but I mean, with this whole whole Sinclair thing, you know, Sinclair is forcing. The stations they own, and they own a shitload of them, uh, both TV and radio. 123 TV stations. It, of local yeah. news stations. Yeah. Well, I, I, the Tribune deal hasn't gone through yet, so um, I think it's only, it's not quite that much yet. It's only like 77 or something like that. Um, TV stations. But they can be um, influential, like in, in the Seattle market. What is it, KOMO? It's KOMO, but it, KOMO, for the longest time was burying their must-run segments. They they send these prepackaged segments with some loudmouth idiot. A Russian commentator, yes. Right, some Russian Boris or... Natasha. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, know, Ivan or whatever. They, yeah, then they, 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 they do some kind of must-air segment that basically spouts a Trumpian theory or, or agenda item. And uh, they forced the stations to run them. And a lot of stations were pushing back and just burying it at like four o'clock in the morning. Now, not only are they making them run it at a better time where there's more audience watching, but they are forcing their local anchors to read scripts that they send that the local anchors who are trying to push back are being told, well, you can quit. They said, but if you do, you're breaking your contract and it's going to cost you. Well, did you, you, you saw Wayne's World, right? With Mike Myers and Dana Carvey. Yeah. I think, you know, maybe yeah. that might be the way to solve it. That uh, when they are reading the script, they just hold up the paper that they're reading it from and on the back, they have, you know, Trump blows goats. <laughs> Hey, maybe I can get a goat. 
Yeah, it, it's pretty frightening. I, I, I think it's awful. And then what uh, that schmuck on Fox, Sean Hannity, who, uh, you know, a bullet in the head is too good for that, sh- that asshole. And he said the other night, he threatened that if Mueller, 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 well, I never, how the hell do you pronounce his name? Bob. Okay, that works. Bob Mueller. Yeah, Bob. If, if Bob goes after Trump, that there's going to be a civil and, war. And yeah, yeah, I'll tell you what. Back uh, early in my career, I was part of a uh, radio show with, uh, well, I don't want to mention his name because he probably would say, oh, man, you just killed any job chance I ever have again. Uh, But had an excellent uh, partner and co-host. And we were up against Mr. Hannity on another station. And Mr. Hannity's ratings were so low that nobody actually even knew he was on the other station. <laughs> yeah, but they're high now. He's managed to... I, I know. I, I don't know what happened. I don't know what goat he was blowing. No. And I, I don't know why Fox News consistently beats out all the other cable stations um, in ratings. I don't know how many people are actually watching it because they agree with it and how many people... I, I know people who do not agree with anything said on Fox, but they find it amusing. Well, I, I my theory is that it is being watched by bots. By, by bots. bots. Yeah. By, yeah, bots named mm-hmm. Ivan. And, yeah. Uh, well, you know, just how uh, the uh, uh, the Russian and Estonian bots were, like, loading up Twitter feeds and things like that, why couldn't uh, they load up Nielsen ratings? I, I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it for a minute. And, and it's all bull. But I mean, but you watch, I mean, in all fairness, I'll turn on uh, CNN, I'll turn on MSNBC, and they all spew the same garbage over and over again. We've talked about this before. And I, yeah, you'd have to turn to local news to get really something, net, local or the actual network news, to get something approaching uh, objective. Well, you know, uh, that is well it was true it it was now of course we have this uh, impending sinclair tribune media deal coming up but here in las vegas which uh, is actually a, a relatively new city but you're not uh, in las vegas i know uh, but uh, but i my my, <laughs> I left my heart on the Las Vegas street. <laughs> anyway, uh, but uh, speaking of Las Vegas, it is such a new city that things evolve very quickly. And when I arrived in Las Vegas about twenty years ago, uh, there was a station that was owned by a uh, a family that was exceptionally thoughtful. Uh, that very uh, they they saw the worth in presenting legitimate uh, facets of everything and and they owned uh, a television station and that was the station that I think most of the Las Vegas market depended on for genuine news although the other stations were not bad and uh, then uh, one of the other stations flipped to uh, a corporate ownership rather than a mom-and-pop ownership, and it went, like, kind of weird. And so uh, then that uh, original station by that family, it became much more watched. Then the patriarch of the family passed away, 
and the family didn't want to keep running that station. And so what happened? They sold it to one of these sucky corporations. And that's what happened with Como. Yeah. And Como was owned by Fisher Broadcasting. No relation, damn it. Uh, and uh, it was a good hometown uh, TV station that had genuine ethics and good journalism. And now that they're owned by Sinclair, that's all gone out the yeah. window. Even my hometown, Huntsville, Alabama, when I was uh, uh, on radio there, uh, all of the stations were mom-and-pop stations. Every single one of them was mom-and-pop station. And because I was in the media, I personally knew all of the uh, the media personalities on all of the stations. Plus, I was exceptionally good friends with the uh, local print media, knew all of them personally. It was all local. Now, in Alabama, there is not one single local newspaper. No independent print media. All of the uh, television stations, which were mom and pops, are all corporate media. And it's all El Crapola that you could get anywhere, even Indianapolis. I, You know what? I would, I would love to see it go back to the days when local ownership, when local stations had to have local And ownership. remember, you had to keep a public file. You had to because yeah, yeah. when you when your license came up for renewal, you had to demonstrate clearly that you were serving the local area. And right, it's, it's right. That's all gone out the window, and it's not going to get any better under our current administration and our especially the current control of uh, the FCC. Yeah, uh, apple pie. Um, it's, you know, you got three Republicans, two Democrats. Democrats can say anything they want, and the Republicans just override them. It doesn't matter. Um, I would just like to see it get back to, uh, to, to that insistence that local stations are locally owned. Absolutely, because that's how things are responsive. Well, I can look back and say, you know, the beginning of the end came with a, um, a radio broadcast company called JCOR. And JCOR became Clear Channel, and Clear Channel became iHeart. And back before JCOR, every radio station in America was locally owned. Even if it was corporate, it was still locally owned. And you had to be responsible to your uh, local area. And the great thing about radio is... By being locally owned and by being small and not having to do all sorts of other production, uh, you could respond very, very quickly to anything local. And usually that meant weather conditions or uh, something like it. But uh, you were the, the person that your listeners depended on. And it was a heck of a responsibility, but it was a responsibility I thoroughly enjoyed, along with all of my fellow employees in all of the stations where I worked. So uh, it, it is something that is sorely missed now, the local angle of, uh, uh, you know, of the media. Yeah, yeah. The, we got to get back to pure, clean media. We got to get the politics out of everything. Right, because it, out of it everything. is a so terribly dividing this country. You know, it used to be that uh, I actually uh, knew people from uh, whatever party, even people who supported Ross Perot. I knew people like that, and I could actually talk with them and have conversations. Now, you can't. Even if you try, you can't. No. 
And and there was uh, well, non-disclosure. I I can't talk about that. But um, there, yeah, there was a time. I remember a time, and maybe I was just too young to understand what was going on. But I seem to recall a time when Democrats and Republicans can yell at each other for a while about on different sides of an issue. But eventually, sit down together and hash out. A Absolutely, solution. and go have a drink and uh, and talk and laugh and you know, yeah, and and get along. I feel like Rodney King. <laughs> Can't we all just get along? The but we, I think we have to go there. I saw a uh, um, there's an independent candidate in Florida challenging Debbie Wasserman Schultz for her seat. And I think we need to start getting rid of the the parties, get rid of the Democrats, get rid of the Republicans, and just start electing independents. But that's going to take courage on the part of the voters to say, okay, I'm not going to go with the main party. I'm going with this person who has no party affiliation. And who is here for us. Right. Because, you know, right. that that's the other thing. After Citizens United, then it was so much easier to buy and sell politicians. So, so after um, the midterm election in November, uh, what country are you going to be living in? <laughs> oh, I think I'm going to uh, follow the example of uh, several uh, historic American figures and form the free nation of Byron. Oh, that's a great idea. Well, I told you about the, uh, the Republic of Malasia mm-hmm. in a small section of Las Vegas. And I think maybe more people should start forming micronations within the country of the U.S. and declare sovereignty. And then we don't have to care what they're doing in Washington. Yeah, because it it is getting scary. And, you know, if you do uh, flip over uh, to the T's in the pages of the dictionary and look at treason, uh, you're going to be hard-pressed to say, no, that's not what's happening in, in Washington. <laughs> so... Well, you know, and that brings us back to, to Sean Hannity's thing about saying that if, if Mueller goes after Trump, there's going to be a civil war. And I mentioned it to somebody at, at uh, work today, and uh, they said, uh, bring it on. Mm-hmm. That it's time. Let's get to another civil war. These people are supposedly, if you can believe the polls or, or anything, the people who are still supporting Trump are in the minority. And if they start a war, they're going to be put down pretty damn quick. And I did see an item today about some evangelical preacher, uh, some televangelist, who did say that uh, if you did not own uh, an AR-15, you were not a true Christian. Oh, yes. Yeah, that that's uh, that's why Jesus hasn't come back, is he's been out practicing with his <laughs> AR-15. Oh, uh, you know, I... I I think they have just completely forgotten both Old and New Testaments and uh, the admonitions against things like that. Well, the, the <laughs> evangelicals have totally screwed themselves over with their this constant support of Trump because they have proven that they're nothing but a bunch of lying hypocrites and very unchristian. So, fuck them. And man, it's too bad we have uh, three or so minutes to go because that would have been the perfect ending of this podcast. That's all I, that's all I can say. 
<laughs> Let's see, a couple of things. Don't forget, coming up in Las Vegas starting May 2nd, my play, Ronnie Brixton, The Best of British Boxing. It's at the space. You can get tickets at lvspace.com. And then coming up beginning June 2nd in Los Angeles at the Hollywood Friends Festival 2018. It's back again for Ronnie Brixton. So it's very worth seeing. I'm in rehearsals now. The actor David Shaughnessy, known for his appearance in Labyrinth, produced by Jim Henson, starring David Bowie. He plays the role of Sir Didymus. Oh, Steve, you should adopt him. In the movie, he's a little dog. I'll take it. I'll take it. It, would, would you got him. <laughs> David be willing to fly up here after he's done with the show? Oh, I'll I'll check this out with him. I think he would. He's okay leaving his family behind. Oh, he'll just, he'll uh, bring, he'll bring the whole doggy family. Ah, uh, there's room. There's plenty of room for him. <laughs> so, yep, lvspace.com in Las Vegas, hollywoodfringe.org in Los Angeles or just www.ronniebrixton.com. And that'll get you all the information about my show, which I will be shamelessly plugging as long as it's running. Awesome. Now we have to hope that people listen to this in real time. Because if they listen to it three years down the road, the show will no longer be running. Oh, no, Where no. you're the, saying it's running. The, the, It'll be running somewhere else. This, this, is, this show has got legs. It's going to run. Oh, and one more plug. Uh, this is for my daughter's podcast at EFA.com. It's the Earp Fiction Addiction broadcast. It's about the, uh, uh, the cable series Winona Earp. And it's getting a huge amount of recognition, even from the creators of the series. So uh, give it a listen. I think you'll enjoy it. EFA.com. And, and I've got my daughter's podcast. Oh, what's that one? It's like we're a podcasting family. My daughter does a podcast called Passing Notes in Class with her friend Virginia. They have been friends forever since we moved to the area. So they've grown up together. And they just do all these reminiscences about various things, boy bands and uh, movies and TV shows and all kinds of stuff. And it's really fun. And it's passing notes in class. I don't think they have a website, but they're on iTunes and they're on uh, uh, Google Play and all these other things. So you can find it. Just go searching for it in line. They do have a Facebook page. Passing notes in class. Wow. And I'm thinking of creating a new podcast called Special Poo Recipes for People Who Have to Eat Shit. Well, that's about it. We are out of time for this lovely uh, segment. Uh, Hopefully, the country won't blow up by the time we're ready to come back. So, I'm Steve. And I'm Byron. And this is Old Guys Bitching. Bitching.